The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Clean Coders and its employees. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Clean Coders podcast. I'm here with Sandro Mancuso. How's hey, it going, Chuck. man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, man. Good to be here again. Yeah. How are things looking over in London? Yeah. So it's good. Okay. It's been okay. Sun is back. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's all, all good. Good deal. They letting people go outside during COVID? It's, it's getting better now, but like in the past few days, the numbers are going up again. So it keeps like fluctuating, but we, most of the restrictions are lifted, but we still have some. Oh, uh, okay. It's good to hear that it's mostly getting better. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully that trend line keeps going, generally keeps going the right way. So yeah, we still cannot go abroad though. So most of our trips abroad are not, a, it's not that they're not allowed, but they have a lot of restrictions. Right. Makes sense. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually, I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more, than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Well, we're, we're talking today about feedback and performance reviews. And we were talking before the show and you were talking about how uh, your company has kind of gone from some ideas that I've heard out there, right, from people talking about like open salaries and kind of open reviews and things like that to kind of a more traditional setup where you, mm -hmm. you have closed salaries now and, and things like that. You Your review structure is a little bit more, what's the word, structured in the sense that you, you do it, I guess, on a on a more regular basis and you have a kind of a more regular way of doing it. You're looking for specific things you, and, and stuff like that. And, and I'm really curious because it, it seems targeted at specific goals. Do you want to talk a little bit about where you were at and, and what some of the problems were and then kind of what, what that transition was like? Sure. This was actually <laughs> quite an interesting journey for us, like just to give context for other people. Our company is almost eight years old and we have just over 100 people. We have around 110 people in the company. Most of them are technical people, developers and product owners and, and BAs and so on. We, we have three different offices as well in two different countries. So the reason I'm giving that context is more like for people to understand the size that we are because certain techniques that, or certain practices or ways of working that we had in the past when we were way smaller or had a single office, they didn't age it very well, let's say, as we were growing, as we were changing shape. 
we had to certain practices were not going uh, working so well anymore. So when it comes to salary reviews and, and pay reviews and open salaries, there were a few things changed. The open salary is the easy, easiest one for me to address because it was not necessarily a need that we have as a business to close. But, well, sorry, it was not intentional. That's what I mean. It's not that we wanted to close, like we were forced to close. The What happens was in, in Europe, and I think in the US as well, you have all those data protections, like we have G- GDPR yep. in, the, in, in Europe. And so basically our lawyers said, look, you are breaching the law. You cannot have that open. And then because we could not expose some personal data to other people, then we had even a few ideas and say, well, maybe like when we are hiring people, people can sign a, a, a document or something and say, hey, I authorize my salary to be shared with my colleagues or across the entire company or something like that. But even this has some legal implications as well, because people might feel coerced to do that because otherwise they're not going to get the job. Right. So we, we tried to fight that for, for a, like a year and a half or so. And then basically lawyers said, look, you are massively exposed. Is one person that goes out and are a bit upset about that. So, so then uh, because of law, we closed it. That, this created already problems. Of course, a company that always had open salaries, all of a sudden closing the salaries uh, created problems. So then what we had to do instead was we have bands. So we have seniority levels. And we have a, a salary range for each seniority level. And we have that per office as well, because, for example, the rates for London or for Manchester or for Barcelona are, very, are different. So, so then what we did, like we published the level that the person is in and in which office that person is associated to, so that at least you know the range of salaries and the, the, the seniority level that each person is. So this is how we... It's not open. You cannot see the actual number, but you can have an idea of where people are. This is the easiest bit. Mm-hmm. Although traumatic, it was an easier problem to solve. Right. The, I'm, I'm curious yeah. just to address this really quickly because I've heard people like they moralize about this, right? And then I've heard other people where they kind of condemn this. I like the idea of more information just because people can kind of come in and they they have a feel for where everybody's at. And I think more information is generally better. But then I've heard other people basically, I've, I've, I've seen companies open up the salary information and then have big fights about it. So, so yeah, I mean, what are the trade-offs here? So th- there are a few things. So one is, yes, people want information, but, they, but that doesn't mean that they have the right skills or understanding to understand the information that they have access to. Right. So, for example, one of the issues that we had is, let's say that you and I work for the same company and we are both developers. Right. But we are different people. We are at different stages of our career. But let's say that when I look at you, I will judge you. So this is a thing that happened quite often. When I look at your salary and let's assume that your salary is bigger than mine. A thing that happened quite often in our organizations, they're like, why Chuck earns more than me? I'm far better at TDD than Chuck. Right, though my TDG and micro design or whatever is, is very strong, and I don't think that TD Chuck codes very well, but I was nowhere, uh, but but no, so no only trying to maximize the things that we are good at and compare those things to to someone else, right? Right, but for example, but I would not able to see what you were good at and the kind of value that you bring to the organization 
that, for example, let's say that you are very good at managing projects or open new clients or running teams or enterprise architecture or whatever, platform engineering or whatever else, things that I, I'm not good at. So I would normally de-emphasize those skills that you had. And I probably I didn't even have a way to understand the value that they bring to the company that is bigger than the one that I bring. And that created, so you need a certain maturity. So for example, just opening the salaries is, is not enough. It sometimes creates more confusion. You need to have a much clearer criteria so that everyone understands what value that they bring. However, even that, even if you try to have a very well-defined criteria, that criteria is always subjective because people are not in boxes, right? So the criteria might have serve as a, as a guideline, but, but it cannot be precise. It cannot put everyone in the same box, right? So, so it will always, it will always have a, a degree of subjectivity. Yeah. That so, makes so, sense. so, and another thing is like, we had peer reviews, right? Because one thing, like you have open salaries, but you, we also had peer reviews, which means that the peers would define your salary. So we try to yeah, have a criteria. Yeah. So we had a criteria in there that people could base their opinions on. And then when the time came, when the person reached like a year in the company, they, they could trigger their own salary review group. So then they would choose, a, uh, we, we call it a sponsor. So they would choose someone that they trust to run the process in a fair way, but they would choose the sponsor. And then the sponsor would help to create the, a group that would do that evaluation, let's say. And there were a few rules in, in who should be selected or not. And there was always one representative of the company that just to make sure that the company doesn't go under because people are giving like ridiculous uh, pay rides to each other. So, just to, so there were some guidelines in there. But again, guidelines are never enough, right? So, so basically what, what happened was it became a popularity context, right? So if people like you, so because they knew that as they were giving feedback, they knew that the, the feedback that they were given would directly impact your salary. 97% of the feedback was always positive and the 3% that was negative was just like, oh, maybe Chuck should improve in X. See, see what I'm saying? So, so no one ever yeah. had. Yep. And also the feedback was open. So everything was open. The salary was open. The, the people that giving feedback, they were open. The feedback that they gave was open and readable, read by everyone. So which means that, for example, I don't want you, if I'm your, let's say that I work in the same team as you. I don't want you to wait for your peer review to give you a feedback about you that will impact your salary and next day be pair programming with you, right? How, how, can mm -hmm. we, how could we do that? Even the team lead, let's say if you are my team lead, and if you wait like 12 months and all of a sudden I get a bad feedback from you, how can we work next day together? <laughs> so then the whole process, although it had that idea of being fair, was mm -hmm. actually extremely unfair. And also when the group was assembled, we had people, let's say, let's say that you are a, a mid-level developer, like, but we had people that has have less experience than you to give opinions in how you do your job. And right. But they don't have an idea of what would be the expectations of for someone at your level because they mm -hmm. are not there yet in their journey, in their careers. See what I'm saying? So in order for, for someone to give a constructive feedback, unless it, it was personal, for example, I don't like how Sandra talks. 
I think that he's a bit rude. So all, all this personal stuff, yeah, any person <laughs> at any level can give to you. But for example, they cannot, like someone that just start their journey, that just start their career, they are a few years of experience. They cannot come to someone that has been in the industry for a very long time, is a much higher salary, and try to decide what is the expectations from the company on that person. Yep. They don't have that skill. So, so the whole process, although looked very fair and very cool and, and open and transparent, was actually completely broken. So people, given the people within those groups, people would, it was a popularity context, as I said. So they would get, it was very subjective. Mm-hmm. And how much I like you, how much I don't. And then they would pick a number and everyone had big salaries and, and no one was performing well. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting that you bring this up too, because, and we're going to put aside like all of the political garbage from the base mm-hmm. camp thing. But one of the things they got rid of was their 360 degree reviews, which included peer reviews, right? Mm-hmm. So it was peer reviews and then it was from your boss, you know? So it was basically mm-hmm. the idea was your subordinates, if you had any, your peers, and then your supervisors, right? Mm-hmm. Would all be part of your job review. And yeah, they, they basically said they were eliminating it for the same reason, right? Anybody who was at your level or below, they it was all fluff, right? It was only your direct supervisor who essentially had skin in the game as far as how you performed was giving you critical feedback. Yeah. Yeah. What we decided to do when we now that we have a more traditional approach, and now we understand why companies have a more traditional approach, more like coming from your manager or for people that are above you. So we try to still remain a little bit hybrid. So the actual decision, the final feedback, the one that will actually influence the the salary and stuff is still come from the manager, from the person above you. But what we kept in the process was the consultation. But now the people above, because let's say that I'm your boss, let's say I'm I'm a team lead and you are in my team, right? I know I'm accountable for that team, for that project, right? Right. So, so I have expectations of my team member in how they need to perform and evolve. And my boss, the same thing, right? So my boss has, for example, they, they delegated stuff. Hey, they said, hey, Sandra, this project is yours. This client is yours. And I need to perform. They know what they need from me, right? But you yeah, as exactly. a team member. Yeah, so you I as need a team this member, outcome, right? Exactly. So, but you as a team member, for example, you cannot know or judge me in the work that I'm doing given what my boss expects, right? right? So then what, what we did was we the person doing the review that has the final saying is someone that knows the job well and they are further up in the in the journey, right? In the in the career, right? So they know what is expected. They are one or two levels above you, right? So then, but we kept the consultation. They will still speak to people with the well-defined criteria that we have, but that feedback will be anonymous. So for example, because it's too important to us, the personal side, for example, it's important for me to speak to the, the team members or the, the, to say like, for example, one thing is, yeah, you are great at platform engineering or whatever, but you are a dick, you know, like no one wants to work with you. And that should go to your uh, review, but no one will say that openly. So we kept the consultation. We still speak to people even under you uh, in terms of seniority levels, but people that are working with you directly, but we keep that, it's not public. So then we get that feedback, Mm -hmm. we combine that, and when we relay that feedback to the person, it's relayed without emotion. 
So we remove all the emotional comments that are done in private because some people will not like you oh, at yeah. all, right? So then we try to go behind and say like, but what exactly is happening? Oh, because we cannot agree or whatever. Okay, we remove that emotion and we provide that feedback and say, look, maybe when you are discussing ideas with your team, maybe you should find a more collaborative way to reach agreements or whatever. See what I'm saying? But you, you remove that emotion. So that, but, but it's still based on, your performance is based on the expectation that the company has from you, from the role that you perform. And that's what you are measured. Yeah, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Because yeah, you don't want to impact those relationships and it should be mostly anonymized. Because like, and it became, it's funny because although there is less information available, the criteria applied now is more equal, is more precise because there is less people conducting those reviews and they apply the same criteria. So it's not just random groups of people that are combined just for one person and then dissolved and then combined again and dissolved. So each person had a completely different experience. And that's why we don't have, didn't have proper fairness because the criteria was not the same. They were not looking at the same things. So now, although it's more formal, there is less information, is a very well-defined criteria applied to different people. Right. But it also makes sense because it's the people who either impact or are impacted by the person who ultimately you're reviewing and giving feedback to. And so, yeah, yeah, the the feedback should impact what they're doing and who they're working with. And the funny thing is that like even some people in the old, uh, of course, that this created, not everyone was happy about it when we made the change until we went through the first round of feedback with the new process. And it's overwhelmingly positive because in the old process, although it was everything open and stuff, there were some 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 guidance. Like they could, for example, that they could not just say, hey, I want a 100% pay rise, right? So there were some guidelines in, in how far they could go and, and so on and so forth. But people felt that they didn't have any direction. So like, okay, I got this pay rise, but... I should know what I should improve because all my, my, my thing is, is positive. Or I didn't get as much money as I wanted, but, the, but there was no criteria trying to really go deeper into what I really do. So now most people are having, for example, the feedback that we had after the, the first round is like, you know what, it was much harder because now people are really looking deeper into the work itself, but we know what is to expect now. And and they were yeah. claiming for that structure, you know, that, which is a, a yeah. fascinating thing. Yeah, I, I have two things to kind of point out about that. One is, is that any kind of change people are going to be resistant to, but they tend to see at least some of the bright side of it once they actually see the change, right? So one change that I've been making in the podcast, just for an example, is we've been moving all of our uh, preparation from Google Docs. And I don't do that with clean coders, but I'm going to start from Google Docs over to Discourse, which is a forum software. And I got pushback from a couple of the hosts until we made the move, right? Mm -hmm. And what they found was that our guests, for whatever reason, I I don't know why, but our guests are way more likely to give us the preparation information, the prep docs, the, the links to their articles, whatever it is that we need on a Discourse forum. And as soon as that started happening, they're like, oh, we are all in on this, right? And the other thing is, is we're also be able to maintain, because we also have a Discord server. That gets confusing, Discord, Discourse. Mm-hmm. 
but we can maintain long, long running threads of conversation. And so we can be like, Hey, you know, if we have a cancellation, what topics do we want to have or whatever? Right. Mm -hmm. And so they're seeing the benefit now and that makes a big difference. And so any change kind of comes along with that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I really see this as, as a positive, what you're talking about. Cause yeah, now people kind of get this direction. I'm curious when you're doing a performance review, do you have specific areas or a specific process that you have the supervisor or whoever's doing the review go through so that you can say, Hey, you need to check on these things. You need to talk to these people and make sure that you kind of get this well-rounded approach or cover certain areas, right? So that people get the areas that they need. Yeah. So, so these we had actually, even before, even when it was open, we sat down with a lot of people from our development community, let's say, and we came up with what are the areas that were important for us in terms of skill set? So this worked well to a, a certain degree. And uh, when you do things by committee, like this is, this is another thing that we discussed, like this is always a mistake. Don't do things by committee. You know, I'll get a group that really cared about that, is really impacted by that, create like a draft, like put a lot of thinking, create a draft and then use the draft to build on top, but don't try to come up from scratch. Cause like when we, when we get, a, we got everyone, that's a mistake we made like at the beginning, oh, let's sit down all the, these developers and, and people. So like, let's come up with these skill sets that are important. But the problem is we are all different and we all have different preferences and different skill sets. And we find that uh, the ones that we are good at are the ones that are more important because we took longer to acquire them and we put more effort to acquire them. Mm -hmm. We came up with a, a skill matrix that I swear to God, I said, when we finished, like a, after a couple of days of workshops and stuff, I said, I said, look guys, I'm going to tell you one thing. This is my own company. If I had to apply for the job, I would not pass the first interview. If you apply this criteria that you all created together, no, I'll fire all of you, including myself, because there's no way that someone <laughs> can, can, can satisfy all those things, right? Let's close this company because this is a utopia or, or stuff. So then we said, you know what? Let's a few of us drive, come up with a draft. And then, then we came up with a much smaller subset. So then we create with five seniority levels, but we created a set of skills. Like for example, we are a consultancy. So for example, we tailored to what is right for us. So each company should do whatever is right for them, right? So we have consultancy as one of the disciplines and consultancy is the ability to bring people together, understand what the problem is, come up with a solution, understand where we should start from, is speaking to the clients, organizing things, run workshops. This is extremely important for what we do. Then another area is client engagement. Again, how do you engage with a client? How do you constantly show value? How do you make sure that they get what they need from us and how we delight them and so on and so forth? How we lead those engagements and stuff like that. Then another one is leadership. And each one of those areas, they are huge, right? So there are loads of things to talk about inside each one of them. So there is leadership as well. That is extremely important. You cannot be a consultant without having leadership skills and, and stuff like that. So Teamwork is something that is essential. Effectiveness and efficiency is another category. And then there is technical and coaching and mentoring. So those are areas that we want all our people to master. And we have five levels of seniority. So all of those skills are applied to all levels, just at a different degrees, right? So leadership for someone at the entry level, the expectation is very different from someone that is a principal consultant, right? So... 
And so, so the, and now we, we defined the general, like what those things mean in general. And then for each seniority level, what are the general expectations for each one of those categories? And that is what is used when we do our peer reviews. Uh, sorry, our, our performance reviews, not peer reviews. Right, that makes sense. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software, and what makes it so unique is that it not only tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it, right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit Raygun.com to resolve issues faster and deliver flawless digital experiences for your users. That's Raygun.com to get started on your free 14-day trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. So so now you have kind of a benchmark or a measuring stick, right? Yeah. And, and I like that there are all the different areas, right? Because if... If I feel like I'm afraid I'm not going to measure up in any particular area, I know what the areas are, right? No big surprises for for Chuck, right? Yeah. I know what, you know, I know I'm going to be measured against six or seven yardsticks, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and I know what the expectations are. It makes the feedback conversation much easier, right? Yeah. Because the criteria is, is you know where you are in the, the, the seniority levels. You know what is expected for the current level and for the next level. So when we have a conversation about uh, when you need to give the feedback, it can be focused. It's not about I like mm-hmm. you or I dislike you. It's about like, okay, this area here, this is what you're doing well. This is what you're not doing so well. The next one, this is what you need to improve on. This is what we, so it becomes far easier to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that I'm seeing with some of this is that some of these are really hard to say, put a number on, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's still going to be some sort of intuitive feel, I guess, for how good people are at these things. So are you looking for specific, I don't know, behaviors or skills or whatever within like, say, consultancy or leadership or teamwork? Yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. How do you, yeah. How do you check those off and say, hey, you're an eight or a 10 or whatever? Yeah, so this is what is very, very difficult. So when we first started, we started with a skill matrix. It was very skill-based. That's where the first brainstorms happened. But we realized very quickly that just purely focusing on skills, for example, you are able to test drive something or you are able to run workshops for in discovery, uh, consultancy, whatever, engagements, right? So they are very specific. You can run a project following Scrum methodologies, right? So, so those are very, very detailed, very focused. But those skills, they don't, don't necessarily translate into good behaviors. They are just skills. Yeah, I, I'm able to do this. Sure, but like how well? <laughs> so for some, yeah, I can lead a team of five. Great. And how happy are those people that you are leading? How successful was that project, right? So what degree of ownership you had? So... This is where the subjectivity needs to come into play. And this is where we felt that having just a skew matrix was not enough. We had to do, we, we also wanted to, to capture some desired behaviors, but then we were almost like trying to go the other way around. So for example, behaviors should be a natural, should come natural when they are guided by values. So for example, we missed that. 
See what I'm saying? So we almost like, it started the other way around and, and it took us a while for us to understand that. So we started with skills and then it felt that there were, they may not lead to the behaviors that we wanted because for example, yes, you can lead a team, but your team fights over everything in every single meeting, right? Yeah, you actually eventually make a decision and get some shit done, but like, it's a pain to work in a team like that. So, so then, <laughs> so true, right? So then, then we end up saying, okay, we we net behaviors, but then yeah, behaviors according to what? So then we say, oh, we are missing values. So then it's so like you know what? Let's focus on a few values, and then because those values should guide the behaviors. If you don't know how to behave, those values should guide you in a way, right? So. So then, then we started thinking about some values and client satisfaction or client intimacy that we call excellence. For example, excellence bounded by pragmatism is one of them. So I think we talked about that in one of a previous episode. Like, yeah, we want to strive to excellence, but not at the expense of never delivering anything. So, so is that that tension between excellence and pragmatism? So we create so excellence within pragmatic solutions. So that becomes a value, right? So you need to deliver with excellence. So. So then with that, for example, being a good citizen, right? So being a good team player, this is what is expected for everyone. This is not like a matrix. This is not something that you evaluate someone on. So I mean, it doesn't matter if you are a junior or an extremely senior profession. This is not something that we should be talking about. Oh, you know, like (laughs) in the degree of how much of a dick you are, you are here. You are number three, right? So, So we should not be having that conversation, you know? So, so those are desired behaviors and values that are a little bit on the side that are also combined to the skills matrix. Yeah, makes sense. So let's say that let's say that you're getting ready to do one of these reviews. So you, what's the overall process then? So do you go and kind of follow somebody around? Do you go talk to their coworkers, pull all this stuff together and then sit down with them and and talk through it with them? Or do you talk to them first and then come back and follow up with them? Or what, what, what's kind of this process look like? Yeah. So basically, like uh, one thing that is important to say, we have this review happening every quarter, but the salary review is only done once a year. So we have ch- twice a year, we have two uh, periods where salaries are reviewed and, and you as an individual will be in one of them depending on when you join the company. Yeah. So, so then as we do that every quarter, it allows us to have a, a very honest feedback without having a big impact on your salary and give you time to prepare so that when it, your round of salary review comes, there is already a thread of conversation and you know mm. what to expect. You will not be upset. Yeah. If things I, I always love those. It's like, it's like we're doing raises. Surprise. <laughs> oh, there's exactly. a problem. So we, we decided to make that uh, every quarter. So the way it works... Uh, Currently, because we are still in the beginning of trying this approach, it is still quite taxing for the people running that. For example, I had to run a lot myself. So, for example, I, I'm although I'm not the founder of the company, but I also the engagement management uh, manager in one of our largest projects, and we have like 25 people in it. So I had to do 25 peer reviews just in that project, on top of all my senior management and other areas of the company. So. Basically what we've done, I went to each person, the ones in that project that directly reported to me as an engagement manager, there are three of them. I sat down with them. So first of all, I spoke to their peers in private and got their feedback. Because I'm the engagement manager of the project, I'm I'm working with them almost on a daily basis. 
So uh, we push the, the, the review to be done by the person that is closer to you, but is still in a higher position. Because they, right. those people, they are the ones that expect you to perform a certain job. They know exactly what the expectation is because they are the ones mm -hmm. setting that expectation. Right. Uh, and they are accountable for your failure is their failure, right? So your success right. is theirs. So, well, and they probably see you doing the job exactly. more regularly than somebody exactly. another level or two or three up. That, that's right. So then for the ones that directly report to me, I speak to them on a daily basis. And then, so I spoke to their peers and a few people below them in the teams. I got private feedback. I removed the emotion and then I created my own feedback. And I asked the, the, the reviewee, right? The person being reviewed to write their own self-assessment with, within the same criteria. So they went like mm -hmm. the consultancy, how they see themselves given where they are, which areas they, they are doing well, which areas they should improve. Client engagement, which areas they are doing well, what they should improve. So they mm -hmm. had their own self-assessment and given the feedback that I gathered, plus my own judgment, I had my feedback. And then I shared that with the person, the person read, and then we had a conversation about that. Then we went, okay, this is my perception and this is your perception. And where they match, move on, nothing to talk about. Where they didn't match, then that's where we had to align that perception. Right. And that's how, how it was done. And then we had a small summary of like, yeah, those are the areas that you need to improve. Those are the areas you are doing well. Just keep doing what you are doing and that's it. So what do you do if somebody says, I am totally a 10 in project management and you're like, you are totally a three in project management, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's just, it's a total mismatch and they just, you know, they're not going to budge on it, right? That, that's got to be a hard one to just... It very rarely open, happens. Right? We had quite a few difficult conversations, but normally is a, when that happened, there are there is a failure in the interpretation of the what the okay the expectation is, and also even because we're doing that quarterly, but the quarterly also is not enough. So having one to ones every now and again with your direct reports is also important as well because then you have more informal conversations. And at that mm -hmm. point, for example, when we get to the the quarterly one, you normally have already some history for the one to ones, but you can then mention, for example, because look. Of course, that there is a power imbalance in that. Of course, there is. Right? right. So we are a private company. We need to get shit done, and someone pays the job, the salaries. Right. So that's how right. it works. But that doesn't give the managers or the, the team lead or whoever completely freedom to do whatever and have a very random evaluation from someone. They will need to to justify, and then they can say, yep. "Look, given my interpretation of the requirements, my needs, I think that maybe in client engagement, you are not doing so well because remember that meeting that we had with the client." So the client was asking for certain things and you didn't deliver or you, you didn't address their concerns or whatever. So mm -hmm. what I'm saying, or remember the, the team meetings that we have, like you are overpowering the team. You are, you are being disruptive. And the example right. is the meeting that we discussed, the architecture for whatever. This, mm -hmm. this, is, another, that's, this is why it's important that the, the feedback is given by someone that is really, really close. Right. Because then we can talk about specifics. Right. What about the hard conversations like, dude, you're kind of a jerk or dude, you really are a jerk, right? Or nobody wants to sit by you because you smell. I mean, I'm just trying to think of mm -hmm. the things that nobody wants to say to anybody else mm -hmm. ever, right? Yeah. 
So we, fortunately, they, they tend to be a very, very, very tiny percentage of the conversations that we have, but they happen. And they will continue to happen as we grow, as people come in. And another thing that we learned that what is important is that people are not, it's not a binary thing. For example, either you suck or you are a great person. Right. Right. So you have areas that you, let's say, you don't communicate well. You are a jerk in terms of like when you are collaborating with people or, or in areas that you are very passionate about, you don't listen to anyone. It's either your way or it's not going to happen. Right. But there are main, maybe there are other things that this person does well. So you need to find that balance. For example, you need to acknowledge part of the, that, that conversation is, first of all, acknowledge some of the areas that this person is good at. And then you focus, okay, but this area here, look, this is the, the, how I feel when I work with you. This is mm-hmm. like even the feedback that I collected. This is how somehow some people feel about when they work mm-hmm. with you. It doesn't matter what you think. So this is how we feel about the work that you are doing or how you interact with other people. Right. And at the end of the day, like <laughs> you need to address that. It doesn't matter if you think otherwise, because this is how we think. And, and there is an mm-hmm. empowering balance and there will always be an imp- uh, power imbalance. There always will be. If you right. want to do whatever the hell you want, you start your own company and work as an independent consultant. Right? Yep. And then you do whatever. Nope. That makes sense. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I can imagine, and I've run my company for, my own company for 10 years, right? And I've, I've had some of those conversations, but generally it's, hey, this isn't happening the way that I want it to, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and I've addressed this with you several times, right? So something needs to get fixed. And usually it's it turns out to be some kind of ego problem one way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Or a communication issue one way or the other, right? And so sometimes it's me swallowing my own pride, right? And sometimes it's it's them, you know, kind of going, yeah, clearly I wasn't listening or something like that. And yeah, it's, it's not fun. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there's an outcome that, yeah, you have to have as a company. And so realistically, you have to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and ideally, you, you want to have those feedbacks because like this kind of GIFPOT feedback, they are much much more difficult to give when there is too much at stake. So for example, me telling you that you are a jerk, on the the, the review that will impact your salary, that is a tough conversation. But if I give you the same feedback right after a meeting that didn't go so well and has Mm -hmm. zero implication in your performance, your salary at that point, is a much easier conversation to have. Right, yep, yep, absolutely. It also makes sense in the sense that, for example, one of the people that works for me on the podcast, right? You know, I, I basically gave her an incentive to hit certain performance metrics by the end of the summer, right? To get mm-hmm. a raise. And so I can imagine if she doesn't quite hit that right, having that conversation, that that would be a hard conversation to have, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, so just things like more that. Regular, right? Yeah, have, this is why we went for a more regular review and yep. just having one of those feedbacks that actually impact salary and mm-hmm. progression because uh, it's salary and promotions, right? So... Uh, yeah. So th- this is another thing that we've done. Like, for example, you the the bands they have a, a ceiling. So mm-hmm. once you are you hit that ceiling, you're not gonna progress in salary unless that you are promoted. And being promoted means you need to take more responsibilities because the next level of seniority implies getting more responsibility. So either you have that yeah. ceiling or you get more responsibility. Otherwise, you cannot move. Right. So I mean, we're kind of moving into that salary and feedback area. So yeah, how do you tie the two together, right? Yeah, so the, there are, there's plenty of research out there and some people listening might be thinking, yeah, but we should never tie feedback to salary, right? So the, 
yes, I understand that. But ultimately, there is a salary review that needs to happen every year. And there is a criteria that needs to be applied so that mm-hmm. to, to decide if there is there going to be a salary review, a, a salary increase. And if yes, of how much. Right. So so you can I don't think that you can fully detach feedback. Right. I what there's I mean a decision that, to be made and there's going to be criteria that, to make uh, it. Oh, absolutely. Because me on the receiving end, let's say if it's my salary on the line, I wouldn't want to know precisely why I didn't yeah. get a salary or why I get X percent instead of whatever, yeah. right? So, but that is the worst, as I was saying. So that's the worst moment to have this discussion. I would rather, mm-hmm. when I go to the one, the, 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 the review that will impact my salary, I would rather go to that meeting already knowing what's going to happen. Yep, right? 100%. So, so then this is what we try to do is to tighten, having more feedback loops so that we get there. So, but there is still, of course, it needs to be, in my view, I cannot think otherwise, a relationship between the feedback that you receive, the work that you are performing, and then, of course, your salary and promotions. I cannot see a way around that. Yep. But what, what so do I you base add, this? Mm. Do you base the salary decision then on more long-term things than on the short-term things? Give me an example so I understand the your. So, question. so let's say that. Because let's say you're having the conversation with somebody and it's, hey, you know, in the last meeting, you were kind of a jerk, but you haven't really given them that feedback before because it hasn't come up, hasn't really been an issue in the past, or maybe they've kind of been below the surface enough to where you haven't had to address it. And so, but now it's the salary review. And so you're bringing it up, you're bringing it up because it's it's kind of come to the surface now. Do you base any of your salary decision on that, even though it's kind of a more recent critical issue? So the the ideal answer would be no, right? Uh, because we have the quarterly reviews. So when mm-hmm. we get to the, the one that is the, the 12 months review, we should be able to look back at the previous three quarterly reviews plus the, the current quarter and then say, okay, this is what this right. person did well and the progression that they had since right. the first feedback of the year until now, that's the journey that they went through and take the yeah. whole history. That would be the ideal scenario and stuff. I I won't be blind to the right. fact that we are all humans and we have our own biases. And mm-hmm. and for example, you've been a great guy, but if in the yesterday you punched me on the face out of the blue, I would yeah. not be very keen to give, to give you good gr- remarks in, in your review. That's That's fair. That's kind of extreme too, though. Sure. But there's always like, to be fair, I cannot think about, I think that you can put a praise and try our best to, to educate people in, in many right. different ways and stuff. But can we completely remove biases or feelings right. or emotions that are more recent, let's say, from the equation? I find it almost impossible. No, that's fair. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. So I have two more things real quick, and I have a hard stop in like two minutes. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll hit them real fast, and then we'll wrap up. One of them is, and I know this is probably a longer or larger topic, but when you give the feedback, what opportunities for improvement do you give them, right? Do you send them to trainings? Do you coach them, mentor them, those kinds of things on the other end? It varies from person to person. Normally, like if they are in the same project as I am, like I, I sometimes even offer 
to help that person with certain skills like mm -hmm. leadership, consultancy, client engagement, and stuff like that. So others uh, it is a matter of training. Very rarely you solve certain issues, mainly the things that we judge. Very, mm -hmm. you don't have anything in there that you can just do a cut or learn AWS and, right. and improve. You know, like so most of the things are more uh, subtle than that. But we are trying to align let's say, our career progression strategy with the, the different types of trainings and the recruitment process to the same criteria because we want to make this criteria that the things that we value are universal, uh, have that as a holistic approach to the mm -hmm. entire company in terms of recruitment, training, culture, and of course, the, the, the reviews themselves. Yep. And then the other one is, is we've been talking mostly about negative feedback. How do you give positive feedback? Uh, so as part of the review, this is why I said it helps when you go to each one of those criteria to say like this area, this is within this area, this is what you're doing well. This is the areas that you need to improve. This is next criteria. This is what right. you're doing well in here. So we, we, we do that combination always because that mm -hmm. it makes the conversation much easier. And you are acknowledging that is not a binary thing. Like, look, there are areas of improvement, but there is all of this you are doing well. Yeah, makes sense. All right. Well, this was fun, Sandro. Cool. Thank you. It's always, always good to be here. Yeah. If people want to check out what you're working on these days, where do they go? Well, at Sandro Mancuso on Twitter or Sandro at Kojunas.com. So we, Kojunas has a, a YouTube channel as well. Just look for Kojunas on the YouTube, YouTube channel. We have like fireside chats now that you're getting more and more. Like we're just talking about things like that in a mm -hmm. more informal setting and exposing more of, of our internal culture, which is pretty cool. So you can find us there as well. All right. Good deal. Cool. Well, thanks for coming. This has been fun. Yeah, thank you very much, Chuck. All right, thank you. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up here. No and until next time, Max cool. out. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.